Hello, this is R&R Showtime with Robert and Ryan. So today we are going to be discussing Wonder Woman versus Aquaman, comparing them and in some ways trying to debate which one is a better movie. Wonder, what, Wonder Woman 1984, to be clear. Yeah, 1984. Be, to be if, if it was Wonder Woman, yeah, that's the best. That's the better movie. Yeah, Wonder Woman, the, the first one is just, yeah, that's one of the best DC films made. So that's not a question today. But we think that there is an argument to be had on whether or not Wonder Woman 1984 or the Aquaman movie from 2018, which one of them is a better movie. Well, let's just get this right out of the way. I'm going to be on the side of Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, and I'm on the side of Aquaman. Yeah. So we're going to start by talking about our impressions of the two movies. We're going to go with Wonder Woman 84 first. We both watched the movie twice. On my first viewing of the movie... I thought it was a bunch of fun. I thought it was pretty great, to be honest with you. And then I started listening to all the criticisms of the movie. And, you know, I agreed with a lot of them. I started having questions about the movie. And just last night or yesterday, I rewatched it again. And I still had a great time. I still thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so my first impressions, I mean... I came into it pretty excited. I think everybody was excited to see a new feature-length film. Yes, one so that, was I. Yeah, one that was supposed to come out in March of 2020, um, or March or April, I think it was. And I then, think it was supposed to be like a summer movie. Yeah, and then so we had COVID, obviously, and that just derailed everything. But I think everybody was really excited to see that, and and I was as well. I watched it with a few friends, um, you know, with the kind of the home movie experience, and I was uh, disappointed. I mean, I think... Uh, there are some things that are good in it and I enjoyed, but by the end of the movie, I was just kind of asking myself like, what the fuck? Ugh. Yeah. I mean, I think I went into the movie with a lot of high expectations as well. I didn't expect it to be as good as the first wonder woman. And I really wasn't sure what to expect from this movie at all. And it gave me 100% nothing that I expected, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Now, Aquaman, on the other hand, that movie we both saw in theaters for the first time together. And I remember, I, I take this memory very clearly that as we walked out of the theater, it was you, me, my, our dad, and um, uh, Salem, um, my best friend. We all watched the movie. It was sort of like a like a declining scale of opinions of the movie. My dad walked out saying that movie was great. Bob walked out saying, oh, that was good. I walked out saying, that wasn't very good. And Salem hated that movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I didn't really like the movie. Like, I like there were things about it that I appreciated, but like I walked out like, man, that wasn't very good at all. Yeah. And honestly, I went in there and I, I thought I had a really good time. I, in the past, really was disappointed with DC overall. Uh, I don't think it needs to be talked about very much. Uh, what Batman versus Superman and Justice League were and Suicide Squad. I mean, if you enjoyed that movie, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I think all those movies are hot garbage. Batman v Superman is absolute trash. Suicide Squad had moments that I thought were fun. Yeah, it's you know it's carried by Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. So I mean, you got some decent actors in there that just kind of carry the. But yeah, no, I I don't like any of those movies. I think they're bad. I feel bad that I spent money to watch Batman versus Superman, and I even said I'm not going to give them any more of my money. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. So Aquaman was actually the. I don't know if I actually paid for it. Just but I think I think I paid because we watched it. We watched it XD all together. It was after 
Wonder Woman made things better. Again. Yeah. Wonder Woman came out. I was like, oh, my God, DC is actually making good movies. And so I didn't really feel bad. I, I'm and I frankly enjoyed Aquaman. I think it was uh, I thought it was a, a spectacle for sure. I think it came out. I can't remember if it was right. I think it was right before Shazam, which Shazam mm-hmm. was on one of the better ones as well. Yeah, I also enjoyed Shazam. Thought it was pretty good, too. But that's yeah. another show. But yeah, for the DC universe, I sort of put I honestly put Wonder Woman 84 and Aquaman kind of right in my dead center mm-hmm. on like I, I would put Wonder Woman on the better half. And I would put Aquaman sort of on the worst half, but like, right. Like I put Aquaman notably above all the trash heap beneath it. And I put wonder woman 84 notably below all of the good above it. Yeah. And me and Ryan had discussed this previously and I had the same, we almost had a very similar ranking overall, except that was one of the things that we were divided on is that I thought Aquaman was notably better. And I thought wonder woman was, was a little the same, basically the same sentiment, except for uh, flipped. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, we just rewatched Aquaman again, though. Literally right? an hour before this podcast. Yeah. And I think I like it a little more than I remember, but I still think I, I, I think Wonder Woman 84 is still a better movie. Yeah. I would say rewatching it right now. Ryan had kind of mentioned it'd been so long since watching Aquaman I just remember that I enjoyed it. And Ryan had suggested there was a bit of ridiculousness in the movie that Wonder Woman also has some of. And I couldn't remember what was ridiculous about Aquaman until I rewatched it. So I definitely give him some credit there that he was right. There's definitely some ridiculous, but my opinion has not changed. I still think it's better than Wonder Woman. And we're going to, we're going to talk it through and we're going to, I don't, I'm not, I don't think either of us are trying to change each other's mind. We're just trying to, have a conversation here. Yeah. And we're going to begin by talking about the plots of the two movie. One of the movies is going to be a little more easy to describe. I'm going to say spoilers ahead. Yes. Uh, for a two year old movie and a one month old movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, that one's pretty fresh though. So, um, yeah, if you haven't seen the movies, go watch them. Yes. So Wonder maybe, Wo- not, maybe not one room. No, you should. <laughs> it's coming off HBO Max by the time that this is going out. So I don't know how to watch it. You probably got to pay for it, though. Mm-hmm. Probably cheaper than paying for a month of HBO Max, I would hope, though. Uh, yeah, potentially. All right. Oh, it's a pretty fresh movie. But all right. Why would you like to do uh, maybe the, the plot of Wonder Woman? Yeah. So Wonder Woman 1984, we see Diana. Well, the movie actually begins um, uh, back in... Um, uh, Diana's childhood in uh, Themyscira where she's competing in this event. It's never really detailed exactly what this event is, but she's competing against her fellow Amazonians. And through the course of the event, she tries to take a shortcut and she is stopped by her mentor, Robin Wright, telling her, you can't take shortcuts. You need to have the truth. The truth is everything. Clear, clear theme. We're going to come back into themes later in the podcast, but telegraphing theme and then we go forward to 1984 where uh diana's been doing her wonder womaning stuff she's just trying to keep it a little on the hush hush uh she stops this heist at the mall and as a result of that her work at the smithsonian comes across these uh trafficked gems that were going through the mall and there we see Kristen wiggs character 
who Amma is meeting Diana for the first time, presumably, even though they both work at the Smithsonian, whatever. <laughs> and they come across this dreamstone, which we later see Diana discovers was being trafficked to Pedro Pascal's character, uh, Max Lord. But this stone is a sort of legendary wishing dreamstone where any person who makes a wish on it has the wish come true, but we find out that there are consequences of it. Diana makes a wish to bring back her old boyfriend, uh, Steve Trevor. That's his name, right? Yeah, something like that. Steve. Yeah, Steve. It's uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Chris Pine. <laughs> Chris Pine. <laughs> uh, Kristen Wiig wishes to be like Diana. And then Max Lord, played by Pedro Pascal, gets his hand on the stone and he wishes to be the Dreamstone. And that's sort of where things take off from there. And that's where the movie just goes off the rails. I, I sort of agree with you. Um, uh, and we see Diana sort of struggling to stop Max Lord in his taking with the Dreamstone and sort of going power crazy, giving people wishes and taking from them. He's sort of being consumed by the power of the Dreamstone. It's a very clear sort of 80s capitalism. I've even heard people say that he's sort of, he sort of looks like a Trump in the 80s. He, it, like his face, like his makeup and stuff, he kind of looks like Trump. But um, uh, he's just sort of just doing all this greedy stuff. And we see uh, Kristen Wiig's character like going from this nice, timid lady now that she has Diana's confidence and grace and beauty and power, she's being corrupted by it. She's losing her humanity and Diana is losing her powers. And uh, Max Lord is losing his health and possibly his son as well. I'm trying to think this is where we <laughs> got to take a moment because uh, the plot gets thick. Yeah. So basically Max Lord's goal is to use other people making wishes to he he uses the power of the dreamstone to as he gives people wishes he can take things from them um uh, and he sort of as the dreamstone is has his own influence over what he can take from people which is an i think it's kind of an interesting concept um uh, it's not quite a monkey's paw the movie makes it out to be the monkey's paw but it's more like a just a give and take not always having a sort of definitive rhyme or reason it it just sort of happens and we eventually get to the point where diana wonder woman realizes that she can't she needs to give up her wish she eventually is willing to give up her wish so that she can save the day because as much as she loves steve steve is gone Steve, the Steve that she has there isn't really Steve. He took over another person's body. That's another thing to get into. Yeah, that'll be something we'll bring up later. But yeah, she remembers the truth. And the truth is all that there is. And the truth is he's gone. And so we have her um, uh, come face down with Max Lord, who by the end of the movie is broadcasting on every screen in the world, giving people their wishes and she comes to him to try and appeal to his better nature, gets a lasso of truth on him. At this point, also, Kristen Wiig has turned into a cheetah character, fully cheetah animalistic form. 
because she's completely lost her humanity at this point and all she wants to do be is an apex predator and max lord has given that to her but at what cost but she comes and she tries to appeal not only to max lord's humanity but to the world's humanity that the truth is what matters the truth is what we you need to you can't take shortcuts you can't just wish things better you need to it, the theme gets a little bit muddled we're gonna get into that later but she convinces the world to renounce their wishes because i mean we're the world's on the verge of nuclear apocalypse basically if they don't so people start to renounce their wishes and max lord renounces his wishes when the lasso of truth shows him that his son is out there all alone uh in this world that's very dangerous like the world's kind of imploding in that moment and his son's all alone. And in that moment, he realizes that he'd rather have his son than the power. And we get this very touching moment with his son and the movie ends. It's Christmas. Diana sees the person that Steve sort of in, inhabited. And it's just this sort of like sweet touching end about finding the beauty in the world as it is. You can't have everything you want. But the truth is that from a certain lens, the world can be beautiful. That's sort of what I took from it. Now, let's talk about Aquaman. Yeah. So, Aquaman. We start... Can I just say, Mm -hmm. the story of Aquaman is, Aquaman is the true king of the ocean. He just needs to get the trident. And when he gets the trident, he becomes the king of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot more to go into, but yeah, th- there's a reason why I wanted to say one of these movies is going to be easier to sum up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we tried, we'd probably sum up Wonder Woman a lot quicker. Bad guy gets Wishing Stone, Woman Wonder Woman has to stop her, stop him. Yeah, but... Wonder Woman succeeds. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so do you want to go yeah. in so, depth? Uh, Aquaman, we start... Lighthouse Keeper finds a woman washed up on shore, finds out she's an Atlantean. They fall in love. They have a kid. She's not only an Atlantean, she's an Atlantean queen. And after them living together for a few years and raising their child, eventually the some warriors of Atlantis come back and say, you need to come back. She returns to keep him safe. And the boy grows up to be essentially Aquaman. He... This is post-Justice League, so at this point, Aquaman has been kind of discovered and known about and helped to save the world. Um, And eventually, he is approached by Mira, a character in the story who is betrothed to his half-brother, and says, you need to come back and you need to come challenge your brother for the throne and prevent him from essentially starting a war with the surface. King Orm is orchestrating events so that he can essentially literally attack the surface world and overtake them. He says with the combined power of the seven kingdoms under the ocean, which of which there's only four that are essentially valid anymore, I guess he needs four of the seven to get yeah. a majority. Yeah. One of them are gone. The deserters and uh, one of them are turned into monsters. The, the trench, the trench uh, but of the other five that are still valid and real kingdoms, he needs four of them to decide that they're going to attack the surface world together. I don't understand why. 
I mean, if they have enough armies with some of them, what are the other ones going to do? But that's just how it works. He, he wants the title of Ocean Master. Yeah, he wants the title of Ocean Master, which if you get four of the kingdoms to swear allegiance to you, you are the Ocean Master. Apparently. Master of the Ocean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, she beckons Aquaman come back and do this. He says no at first, but then after a tie wave, almost kills his dad. He's like, all right, let's go down there and stop him. Goes down there is told by a previous mentor, the advisor to the king, who trained him as a boy as well to use the trident and how to use his powers and all that, that there is a spectacular trident of Atlan that allows him to be the true master of the ocean and control the seas, and that if he retrieves it, then he'll really be able to beat his brother. Uh, his brother finds out about this, challenges him to a battle to become the true rightful heir, he doesn't find out about the Trident thing. He does not find out. He finds out about their meeting, yeah. uh, that that he is there, Aquaman is there, and challenges him to a battle. They fight, and it is apparent that he is probably going to win when Mira comes and saves him and says, let's go. We need to go find this Trident. They have to journey to where the land of the deserters were, which is in the Saharan Desert, yep. uh, and take this device, which they previously had, that had the clue to where it was stored, where the king uh, of Atlantis hid it. They go there. They're able to get the message. They then have their heading, and they go to Italy, where they have an interaction with Black Manta. Now, I kind of skipped ahead, but yeah. earlier in the story, uh, there is a scene that shows Arthur save a bunch of men in a submarine from pirates, one of the pirates being Black Manta, as he is before he's officially Black Manta. Um, in this interaction, Black Manta's father is there. He, They are fighting with Aquaman. He fires a grenade launcher, which then floods the ship with water and makes a torpedo fall on top of him and, and pin him. Black Manta tries to move the torpedo, cannot, begs Aquaman to help him, and Aquaman basically says, you know, ask the sea for help and abandons them. And so... Black Manta's father says, you need to get out of here and you need to go kill him to avenge what's happening because I'm going to die. And Black Manta leaves, leaves infuriated. And as we mentioned, comes back later when they are on their mission. And we also see that during this time, King Orm actually had hired him to get the submarine so that he could orchestrate these events and, and make it look like the surface attacked them. And then he hires uh, Black Manta again and gives him special weaponry to be able to fight Aquaman to go and pursue him later. He pursues him, but Aquaman is able to overcome him in the end. Mira gets him, both of them, on a boat to head towards where they've discovered the trident is supposed to be hidden. In the trench. In the trench, where the, the trench people are, who are these crazy monsters, monsters essentially. Yeah. Um, they make their way through the trench people, avoiding them and not getting completely swallowed and destroyed by them, and are able to find this portal into the hidden sea realm that's at the center of the earth supposedly they go there aquaman proves to this ginormous beast that guards the trident that he is the one that deserves to wield it and claims it claims the armor as well having the iconic aquaman uh look the orange and green from the past and comes back with the giant leviathan to defeat the now warring underwater armies of uh, Orm and these, the other, you know, seven, one of the other seven nations where they're trying to, he's trying to conquer them and then beats Orm in a battle to finally proclaim that he is the one true king and all the other nations do bow down to him 
and give him allegiance as he now bears the trident and beats Orm in battle. And at the end, uh, his mother and father return to each other. Oh, he discovered his mother was down there. She had maybe died and they said some stuff about it. But, but she was just trapped there because she couldn't get out without the trident. Yeah. So, um, and that's generally the plot of Aquaman. Yeah. So the reason why I, before you started, I wanted to say that the plot was rather simple is that uh, both of these movies are about two and a half hours long. And I think both of them are a little over long. I think both of them have a lot of stuff that could have been cut out, but the stuff that should have been, that, that should have been cut out was different between the two movies. Whereas I think, and I've heard a lot that the part of Wonder Woman that should have been cut out was some of the uh, Diana and Steve um, uh, going through the Smithsonian stuff, that that was kind of boring. I would argue that Aquaman's kind of filled with a lot of filler action sequences. Um, yeah, potentially, but I think maybe that's even what Aquaman, part of it is, is what it is. It is a big spectacle, awesome, action-packed movie. I mean, in some ways, I've heard a lot of criticism about Wonder Woman that it doesn't, I mean, it has a few action scenes, but it has a lot of very slow moments where you're kind of losing interest almost. Not that some of the events aren't important, but I mean, yeah, those scenes with Steve are not really integral. There might be some value there in seeing Steve's reaction to the world, and but but yeah, I can see why those don't need to be there. I mean, that, that doesn't really necessarily keep our interest. We're just watching Steve react to stuff, and maybe it's a little bit amusing. But at least the scenes in Aquaman are what they are. They're badass action scenes in a superhero movie. Yes, but I just think sometimes if there's too much action, maybe you start to lose the appeal of what's going on. So Wonder Woman, let's think. We begin with Themyscira. That's a sort of action set piece. Her battling in the mall... And then for a while, we don't get any sort of action scenes until we see her with the cars in um, uh, the Middle East trying to stop Max Lord. Then the next big action sequence, I believe, is at the White House with uh, uh, Kristen Wiig Mm -hmm. beginning her sort of descent into Cheetah. And then we get that final action set piece with her fully Cheetah. There's five notable action sequences i kind of remember what they all look like they kind of stand out in my mind aquaman we have the queen battling in the beginning we have the black manta first time you see him sequence yeah in the submarine we have uh we have then we get to i mean i think the next time he fights is with orm no we have him battling in the little ship alcove at the bottom of atlantis okay then maybe about five minutes later is the battle with orm then we have there a little time passes before we have the Black Manta showing up in Italy to battle yeah. him. Return of Black Manta. Then we have the trench sequence um, uh, with all of the them piling yeah. on the boat. Yeah, they then battle we, on the boat and then they're you know really just running away from them in the water. So. Yeah. And then we have Aquaman um, uh, dealing with the Leviathan at first, where there's a little bit of ac- uh, fighting before it happens. And then the end of the movie is probably about 10 straight minutes of like battling and fighting. Yeah. So to be fair, it's eight versus five action set pieces, but a lot of the action in this movie feels a little more muddied. Like you didn't even remember that little fight sequence that happened 
before he gets captured and fights Orm. And those those moments were set about five minutes apart. So mm. it was literally fighting, talking about the next fight that's going to happen, and then a fight. And nah, then it wasn't just talking about the next and fight then, that's going to happen. It was more or less setting up that they were about to fight. Mm. And then once that fight ends, it's them leaving the fight. There's an action sequence of them escaping the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fair that Aquaman has a lot of action, but I mean, I think what do you, what do a lot of people want to see? I think when they go to see a superhero movie is, I mean, I think they want to see action movies. I, we want substance. We certainly want more than just fighting. I think that's important, but I think that movie has a lot of really excellent fight scenes. I mean, yes. even though when I forgot, I mean, there's a moment where he, uh, a, you know, elite commando in their red special armor comes up and draws his sword and they have this like standoff moment. And then they have like a good back and forth battle. I mean, and we're really seeing these exhibiting these crazy kicks and these guys flying. So these action scenes are pretty entertaining. Yes, but they're good. But if you do it too much so that it's so much to the point that when we got to black man to um, uh, coming back with his suit and everything, I kind of didn't care anymore. I was like, um, Black Manta was interesting, but like Mira fighting those same fish guards again, mm. we've seen these fish guards get fought by literally, we saw Queen Mira do it. We saw Aquaman do it. And now our, our Queen Queen Atlanta do it. We saw Aquaman do it. And now we're seeing Mira do it. Mm. It kind of got a little like, yeah, like they're going to beat these guys. Black Manta was a little interesting, but it wasn't that much of the fight. Mm. And he already beat Black Manta. Sure, he has a better suit now, but... Yeah, I think that's actually fair. I think uh, seeing Mira fight them again is kind of what is the point of seeing all this? Why are we spending so much time watching her fight them? I mean, I'd actually rather see a, a more protracted battle between Aquaman and Black Manta. The I think it's important seeing him again. I think is important. It's you see him when he's basically fighting as a human, and he stood against Aquaman, but he was clearly outmatched in his power. He did not have the real c- capacity to even hurt him. Yeah, but he, he but he did have the uh, the know how and the ability to to fight him, and he was smart enough to be able to do some things to combat Aquaman. You add that to him then being granted the weaponry and the ability to really inflict real damage to him, then it becomes more of almost an even fight. I mean, Aquaman's still One. pretty difficult, but we it shows when he gets shot with that laser, like it burns Aquaman's arm. So yeah. we know that that laser can really do damage to him. But to be fair, he only got shot by the plasma because he didn't expect it to be damaging to him. Mm-hmm. So it literally caught him off guard, and he was protecting Mira with that. Yeah. So I he mean, w- He didn't get hit a- again by that plasma shot after he knew how dangerous it was. Yeah, so I mean, but that it was basically a sucker punch. Yeah, I guess you can you could say that, but still, I mean, that is that is inherently he, you know, he's not necessarily meant to win thematically, but he is a human. He's a human man and he's doing what he can to fight someone that's essentially a god. And so it's more of a fair matchup and it's still significant. And he's he is a nemesis. So this is the Aquaman movie. Uh, anybody that knows a little bit of Aquaman would know Black Manta is one of his rivals nemeses that we want to i mean we like to see them yeah ocean master and black manta yeah i would say though that i did even uh mention to ryan right after we watched the movie that black manta he could not even be in the movie potentially this could actually be he, i, I want to get into this later yeah this could be taken out entirely from the movie you could lower the amount of things that are going on and make this the whole beginning of the second movie and the, the main points of the next movie. So yeah. So, so that's fair, but take, take some of the unnecessary 
action sequences out mm-hmm. and you have a more refined movie. Mm-hmm. We almost get like this sort of fetch quest thing where that big stretch between action sequences, what was the interesting stuff that was happening? Oh, um, uh, Aquaman and Mira walking through the desert and then Aquaman and Mira teleporting to Italy and walking through Italy. Yeah, tell <laughs> teleporting. Uh, you know, again, on my second watch through, I was definitely even pointing out some of the silly things here. Uh, and I definitely pointed out that they went from Sarah Hera Desert that they specifically say in the movie, we're stranded and we don't know where we are to they made it to Italy. So, yeah, I don't know how exactly that happened, but we'll just take it. Right. Yeah. And I give that credit that, yeah, there is some a little bit of ridiculousness in Aquaman. But I mean, again, if we want to start talking about some of the ridiculousness, like, yeah, we get into the wishing of Wonder Woman, which I mean, there are some perceived rules about this wishing stone, but then they just kind of keep changing it or saying, like, let's just throw it all out the window. And by the end of the movie, I mean, literally the entire world is practically wishing forever, whatever they want. And we see little instances of singular people saying, oh, I want this. I like one person wishes someone was dead. Yeah. One person wishes for literally nuclear weapons. I mean, and we already know there's nuclear bombs being fired in the air. How are we to know that someone didn't just go, man, I hate everything. I wish the world exploded. I mean, are we to believe that there weren't some catastrophic things wished for? Well, things were about to happen. Yeah. The, the world was about to explode. Yeah. Was the world about to explode? I mean, it, I mean, I, of course it was in the sense that all those nuclear missiles being fired, but what? Where was the the more significant? I, am I led to believe that this many wishes are getting made, and that and I guess you know Max Lord can wipe it all away by doing his wish? But no. Nope, so he, the point I made to you before that we lost was that once Max Lord announces his wish, I believe that all the wishes that were done through him will be gone. So that's sort of your resolution there. We do see people renouncing their wishes, and I think that's good thematically. It's a good representation. But once he's no longer the Dreamstone, I feel like all of the wishes granted through him are made invalid. Right. I just I just believe in that time, like, again, nuclear bombs are launching. The world is essentially exploding. But nobody made a more fundamentally world-ending wish. Again, where's yeah, the, where's the probably- press guy that said, I wish everybody died? I wish all the... I, I wish every... You know, the racist guy that says, yeah, I just wish all the, you know, the the person of this race were just gone or dead or, you know, something like that. And we saw stuff like that happening. The Dreamstone doesn't always just snap. Things happen. Sometimes things have to play out. But sometimes it does snap and make things happen. Literally, I mean, we see the president uh, even say, I just felt like I was in another place and now I'm here. I mean, it, it definitely has some. Uh, it's weird what the rules on the Dreamstone are that, I mean, does it have to make things seem reasonable and manifest them in some sort of make sense way or i mean it literally made a wall just pop out of the ground around an entire city so it can clearly just make things happen yeah but it it it, it's different and see i think the world ending stuff i don't know i i think the world was about to end so if people were wishing for that it was going to happen it was just going to happen i don't know how many people were making that wish though i think if people had any wish in the world that the idea was that people were going to make selfish wishes because it's the eighties and people are in a sort of greed is good mentality. But yeah, so we see everybody renounce their wish except for uh, Barbara. That's I think Kristen Wiig's mm-hmm. character. we never see her renounce her wish. Barbara Minerva. Yeah. We never see her renounce her wish. So I want to touch in, in, on her a little more later. 
But yeah, everyone renounces their wish, but most importantly, Max Lord renounces his wish. And so that clears out everything. I think the next thing we started to talk about was me pushing back to Aquaman and how I think that movie gets a little messy with how much it has to introduce with the seven kingdoms of the fish and all these brand new characters. So yeah, you you said that the ridiculous thing about that was that there's all these seven kingdoms and that we're introducing all these different things. And, and I think my, I understood kind of where you're coming from because you didn't make a point about characters. You kind of counted them out a little bit. Yeah. So in, in Aquaman as the introductory movie, Aquaman, we know him, but we're also introduced to his mom, queen of, At- of Atlantis, his dad, who's a fisherman. We're given an idea about the king of Atlantis, who is the, the former king, who's the father of King Orm. But to be fair, we didn't actually meet him. He's just reference. So. Yeah. But he is a character that exists and we are supposed to remember his name and know what he did banishing mm-hmm. the queen. Uh, there's um, uh, Black Manta, Black Manta's father, who's more just a imprint on him. There's Mira, Mira's father, played by Dolph Lundgren. There's uh, Willem Dafoe's character, who I think I forgot when we were when we were capping this and I lost mm-hmm. the audio. Um, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, you yeah. also mentioned. Uh, know, and then king, all the kingdoms. King the, yeah, all the kingdoms and all the different things. The and, fishermen who are like fish people. We don't really know. What's the big difference between the Atlanteans and the people that are that Mira and Dolph Lundgren are representing do they all have that sort of water control power or is that just mira we never see the um, uh, the king do that so what's what's the deal with that the fishermen people those are fishy people then there's like the crab people that they're fighting towards the end of the movie the trench people the deserters who are in the desert it's just kind of a big lore dump and i started to compare in Wonder Woman, the lore we get, the the fundamental like backstory lore of Wonder Woman is Themyscira, Amazonians, put there by Zeus or Hera, or I can't I can't remember specifically, but it's like the gods put the Amazonians, protected them in this little world, and we're introduced to her mom and her basically aunt mentor figure Robin Wright. And then the rest of the movie is set in the real world with real people, real archetypal type characters. So it's easy to in- understand who these people are. Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's, I don't, I don't feel that in Aquaman, it's necessarily too much. I guess you do make a good What's point. What's Willem Dafoe's character's name? Volko. Is it Volko? Yeah. Is it Volku? Volku, Volko. I mean, again, but we know who he is. He's the advisor to the king, and he was the guy that trained Aquaman. I, again, if if you don't remember him as a character, not too big a deal. Again, you know that he was a device in the movie, and he did what he had to do. Is When you left Wonder Woman, did you forget? Did I've forgotten all of that squad's name. I don't know any of those guys' names. No, but did you forget um, uh, Robin Wright, the mentor that taught um, uh, Diana? Did you forget who she was? Uh, did I forget who she was? No. You I'm might not her. have forgotten her name, but did you forget about her? I forgot yeah. Willem Dafoe was in that movie. Oh, well, that's... Wonder Woman came out before Aquaman. I never forgot that lady was in it. I never forgot the impact that she had on Diana. And she's fundamentally the same, supposed to be the same character as Willem Dafoe, training her, training Aquaman as a kid. I did not remember he was in that movie at all. I assumed that he was training with 
I, I forgot that he was being trained by an Atlantean. Okay. But that did might you be remember? a personal thing. I did. Yeah. I remember okay. that he got trained by that. He was trained by a Willem Dafoe in that, in that movie. I mean, so that might be a personal thing, I, but you could be right. Maybe again, maybe he's forgettable. Maybe he's just a plot device. Maybe he's just there to be the guy that trained Aquaman and make that make sense and introduce some things. Then that's just what he is. He introduced like maybe he's not as important as Robin Wright. That's immaterial to the idea that I mean, it's we we get a lot of information, but you do need to all understand all this just to be. This movie is here's Aquaman. Here's how he got here, and we have to learn about the Seven Kingdoms. We have to know that he commands all these things. It it takes the time to make sure that you understand all these things in the movie, and it repeats them over and over too. It keeps saying people's names. It keeps showing flashbacks. It, I mean, because it has to. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, that's understandable that it has to. It, I, I'm just trying to get at that it's kind of an overcomplicated now, plot. I, I use, you know, we bring Wonder Woman up, and originally I brought it up just to make a point there. But Wonder Woman is a better movie. Yeah. So that's yeah. understandable. Wonder Woman 84 has two characters that have been pre-established and then two new characters. Those are the main cast. Those are the only people you need to know. But yeah, so Wonder Woman's original story doesn't I mean who knows much about what I mean I don't know a lot about Aquaman before watching this movie I don't know a lot about Wonder Woman before watching her original movie but she has a few people to introduce Aquaman has a I need you to explain all of what Atlantis is and all of what this entire undersea thing is you had to explain all of what the mascara was and they got that done in the beginning of the movie and I had no questions about that Amazonian society so much so that they were able to leave the society and have the imprint of what it was for the rest of the movie is it possible because it's just simpler that she's an Amazonian. They are a tribe of women that live on an island that are protected by a god. Did Atlantis need to be as complicated as it was? Did there need to be seven kingdoms? I don't know. Is it because that's a source material and that's what it was supposed to be? I mean, Atlantis is inherently just one kingdom and all the other ones are just part of this larger plot. But Themyscira, is that source material or do they have artistic liberations to maybe simplify things and make things a little easier to digest and understand. Maybe they want to make it broader in Aquaman and leave it open to do a lot more within the future. Do you think we're going to have movies exploring the fishermen? Do you think the fishermen are going to play a big role? I do believe I've heard that the trench is going to have um, uh, more to do in future movies, which the trench quite frankly is one of the better scenes in the movie, but I want to get to that later. All right. So we spend a long time on plot. So I want to get into, I want to say before we go is that, I think this is one of the one of the things I like about Aquaman more. Its plot is you can say that oh, there's a lot of lore and that makes things more complex, but I think that the plot makes more sense and follows a thing that everybody can follow. Aquaman needs to beat his brother to become king. He also needs to gain this trident. He we we see that he cannot just beat his brother, so he needs to gain the trident, prove he is the true heir, defeat his brother to stop a war with the surface. And then he boom, 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 does those things. We see yeah. this, the path that it's having, and it seems simple, understandable, and uncomplex in a way that I think any person can digest. The problem is, is that it's such a simple plot that they add all this stuff onto it to pad out the runtime. Like, it is such a simple plot. All he needed to do was go get the trident. They told him, all right, you're going to get this trident. Like, and he went and did that. That's it. That's the movie, but they had to add all the stuff onto it just to pad out a runtime and to make it seem more grand and make it seem like his he had a character arc. But I, he has a very light character arc, and we'll get into that when we get into theme. But 
Okay, I do want to move off of plot now. Let's start talking about characters. So I want to really touch first upon our lead male and female characters in Aquaman. It's uh, it's Aquaman and it's Mira played by Jason Momoa and Amber Heard. In Wonder Woman 84, we have uh, Diana played by Gal Gadot and Steve played by Chris Pine. Now, you can argue that these two characters have an advantage in their chemistry because they had an entire movie before, but you just can't deny that they have an undeniable chemistry together. They work so well together, you believe that they're attracted to each other. I, I do believe that Jason Momoa and Amber Heard are probably the best cast people in Aquaman, I just don't know if they really have a romantic vibe together. I don't know if they have romantic chemistry. I think they're good in their roles. I just don't think seeing them together on screen doesn't like, it's not just like, I'm just not just, I'm not following their characters that are being, are like meant to be together sort of thing. You get what I mean? No, I I think I would probably agree with you in that. I mean, I think in Wonder Woman, they had better chemistry um, yeah, Steven one, yeah. and uh, 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 Diana. Diana, yeah. I think they definitely have better chemistry than Aquaman and her did in this movie as well. I think it's in some ways that was just kind of like a here she is. She's supposed to be that piece. And, you know, they do a little bit. I even mentioned when we were watching the movie a bunch of different times when I I like to believe that DC keeps trying to steal things that Marvel is doing because they are so successful in it in that they keep trying to make their characters a little funny and do these funny Marvel like jokes. And they're just not good. I don't know why they do it. In this movie, I pointed out that there's a few times when Aquaman and Mira make these weird little bantery comments between each other that are kind of funny. And I just think they they fall flat. I don't know why they do them necessarily. I don't think it necessarily even shows them increasing their attraction or building up whatever relationship is supposed to be happening. Yeah, we have this whole time when they're in the desert and they're in Italy where they're supposed to be like um, uh, getting over their differences and falling for each other. But it's weird because it feels like such a long time in the movie of them like getting to know each other, but I don't feel like they're actually doing anything like it's like the one scene in Italy where he realizes how pretty she is as they're at the well and how kind she is that that's the turning point where they're like, Oh, Oh, I guess I like this person. There's no no other real like arc to them getting to know each other on a deeper level. We don't know anything about Mira other than she's trying to do what's right. Yeah. So I think that comment is entirely fair. I mean, I think that really the main characters of Wonder Woman 84 are all pretty great. I mean, Pedro Pascal, Kristen Wiig, I, Gal Gadot, Chris Pine all do a fantastic job. Yes. And um, I, I, I want to do a separate conversation about villains, but Aquaman has a lot more side characters in it um, uh, that we can talk about. We can talk about how Willem Dafoe's character, how, like I said, like he's sort of a similar character as Robin Wright was in the first Wonder Woman movie. I just don't think like he really stands out to me. He's just kind of there. I've definitely seen Willem Dafoe do better work in other movies. Um, uh, and like, uh, Aquaman's dad. I like that guy. I like that actor. He's, a. Uh, uh, Jango Fett, Boba Fett in Star Wars. 
Uh, Nicole Kidman, she's not in it very very much, but she does a good job because she's a great mm-hmm. actress. Yeah, kind of underutilized. I'll I'll be honest, but yeah, she does a good job. But it, it's really the core of the movie should be in your two leads. Um, uh, I think Jason Momoa as Aquaman is great. Yeah, I think Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman is probably better. I think I think she's a more engaging character in every movie she, we've seen her in. Yeah. Not to say Jason Momoa is not great. I just think he's playing Jason Momoa as, as Aquaman. Aquaman and she is Wonder Woman. Yeah, exactly. I think that Wonder Woman is supposed to be, I mean, she's just a more charming and better character where you can, I mean, Gal Gadot can really utilize all of her acting skills to, to bring that out. Jason Momoa, I mean, in a sense, it, I, he, I think he's great as Aquaman, but you're right. He's, I mean, there's not quite so much he can really do to make Aquaman more. I mean, it's Aquaman. He's literally, I mean, Aquaman until the newest DC renditions was essentially the, the butt of the joke for uh, superheroes for a long time. Yeah. So that is something to be said that he's kind of revitalized the character in a lot of ways, but he's, it's still, it's kind of just Jason Momoa. And then if you had never watched wonder woman, I believe you get an idea of who Steve Trevor is. I think, you know, this man, he's a pilot. He's a he's an American guy. He's just a down home dude. And he's just sort of like genuinely likable. And I think Amber Heard does as good a job as she could with Mira. But Mira's not a like a fleshed out character. She is just a Aquaman. Come down here. Aquaman, let's go get this trident. Aquaman, I love you. Yeah. I mean, again, I think that's fair as well. Yeah, and I think I think that has to do with the writing. Again, I think she does as good a job as she can, but it, she's not a, she's not really a character. Yeah. So I mean, uh, now one thing, uh, maybe you said that you want to talk about villains later. Uh, I d- I do want to get into villains now. Okay, so because I think one of the standout characters of Aquaman is King Orm, and Interesting. I think he. I mean, I just think he's he's excellent as his role. He I think he really brings the gravitas and. And I mean, like when he's talking to Aquaman at certain points where he's like, I don't want to kill you, brother. You know, I really wanted to. I, I mean, I, I believe him. I believe I, I feel like he does a great job as as uh, playing King Orm as well. OK, so this is going to be an interesting conversation now. So what's notable about the two movies is that they have a main bad guy and a sort of side bad guy. So I think we can compare. And I think both of the side bad guys have similar issues. Mm-hmm. Where Kristen Wiig as Cheetah, and um, uh, I believe his name is uh, Yahya. Um, uh, I can't remember his last name, but the, the actor who plays uh, Black Manta. Uh, it, 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 after Aquaman, you may have recognized him in Black Mirror and in uh, the Watchmen miniseries. He's a great actor in those. Like I remember his face in Watchmen so much so that when I realized he was in this movie, I was like, he was, he was black Manta. I didn't, I did not remember that he played um, uh, black Manta because I thought black Manta is so forgettable in this. I mean, I think, I I don't know if he's, if black Manta is forgettable in this. I feel like he, I remember the helmet. I didn't remember what the guy looked like. I think, 
Well, the Black Manta, if you remember the helmet, you then you didn't forget the character, because that's who Black Manta is. I mean, he's not even someone you ever see his face as far as a character goes in all the comics. But I think him, I mean, I feel like you get a lot of emotion. You really see a lot out of him in the in the moments that he is in. I think you get a lot out of that. Yeah, but he, I think it's because I've seen him in other things, and I know that this is a really good actor, that he just feels so underutilized in this. Yeah. Where Kristen Wiig, I think, is also underutilized, but... Like I, I came out of it thinking I want more of her. I came out of Aquaman like, why was Black Manta in that? Like I didn't, I didn't question why Cheetah was in Wonder Woman eighty four. I was just like, why didn't they have more of her? Even you said you could have cut Black Manta out of the movie. Yeah, no, I, I definitely said you could cut. I think you could take Black Manta out and put him into its whole second movie. Like he could make that the beginning of the of the next movie we're in. Yeah, and Cheetah, Cheetah could be her own next movie as well. But you don't need to cut her out for it. If, mm-hmm. if anything, most of the criticisms I've heard is that maybe she should have been in it more. I mean, I think that's because Kristen Wiig is she's brought into the story. She's not a villain to begin. She becomes a villain by the end. Uh, she transitions. She's really a feature of the story. She's yeah. a an ally to Diana which, and which allows to you that. to engage with her as a villain. You're able to sort of empathize with her and get a connection with her. With Black Manta, he's kind of a like he's a bad guy who does bad things, and his dad sort of seals his own fate, and Aquaman just doesn't decide to save him. And for that, Black Manta's like, I hate you. My dad shot this thing that got himself killed, and you weren't willing to save him after we murdered a bunch of innocent people. That like I understand him wanting to kill Aquaman. I just don't care and I don't want to see him based on that alone it's boring it's again not- that's fair but i mean uh, again that that whole moment is really supposed to show the aquaman not being basically being merciless that one yes. thing about aquaman which we see develop over time is that he is merciless he does not have mercy he protects the innocent but he does not care if you did bad things you can go f- yourself which but, is not what superman would do superman would save that guy too yeah but Black Manta could have been removed from that scene and he could have just let the dude like if if his son wasn't there and he just let that dude die on the ship, he still would have shown his own mercilessness. He would he could the dude could have just been like, please save me. He's like, you killed innocent people. I'm not going to save you. You made your own bed. Yeah, I mean, but then that's I mean, their whole point was that they're trying to set up Black Manta. There been no I mean, we know what the purpose of them being in submarine ends up being. But but like you could have like like shown like later on in the movie like black man to come up and like he killed my father at the beginning of the movie without needing to like waste time on like black manta was kind of at the height of his power he had the plasma thing like if he's in the next movie like he's just like it's up to them to make it more interesting but like i've already seen him lose twice like why do i care I mean, I don't know what you exactly mean about how you can come back and say he killed my father. Because I think in in movies you don't want people to tell you things because then that loses significance. We got to see that hey, that was a that was a moment where you see a guy trying to save his father and his father says no, you need to go. Even if they're villains, like you you can connect with that a little bit. Anybody would want to save their father, they well, would want yeah, someone that like you someone has the power to keep your father, whether you're evil or not, keep them from dying. You would want them to help you. Yeah, you could have he. I mean, he could have been in the scene and then come up at the end of the movie like. I want to get revenge, but they had to make him this like such a big character that really didn't add anything. 
All right. But yeah, so those are the side villains. We get into the main villains. We have Max Lord as the Dreamstone dude and uh, Patrick Wilson as King Orm. I think Pedro Pascal is Max Lord. Like, I think that that character could have been unremarkable in different hands. He kind of steals the movie. For me personally, like, especially at the end, like, all the stuff with his son is just so like, he's such a good fucking actor. He does. He, he humanizes this like piece of shit guy better. Like he just makes him like believable as a, as a character. Whereas King Orm is just like, I'm bad. Yeah. And I think Patrick Wilson's a good actor. I think he was kind of miscast in this because, and I said this while we were watching it, I'm supposed to believe that Patrick Wilson is younger than Jason Momoa and was grew up with Amber Heard's character like in childhood, like because they were both were taught by his mother, supposedly. But I like I can look at him and I know that Patrick Wilson is has 10 years on Amber Heard at least and is definitely older than Jason Momoa. I mean, I think that could be potentially a, a personal thing because, we, you know, the you watch movies all the time where someone maybe looks a little older or not quite as whatever their real age is supposed to be in the movie here. I mean, I didn't notice that. I never thought like, wow, he looks way older than them. I mean, I just was like, yeah, this is his brother. Uh, this is his younger brother. That's how old they all are. Like it all just made sense to me. I I would think that may be a personal thing, but it's a fair point to make. Like, but me pointing that out, like, do you, do you honestly believe that King Orm Pat, his character looks younger that he's supposed to be the little brother? I mean, they both look like grown men. Uh, he doesn't look older. I, I think they could be j- the same age, or he, he could, yeah, he could definitely be younger. I don't, I, I, I don't see it. I, I, it maybe it's shaped by the fact that I've seen that actor they look and like, other things. They, they look like both grown men. I think it doesn't necessarily track with what their ages are supposed to be because I think this movie is made in t- what? What? Oh, how old are they supposed to be? Nineteen eighty-five is when she shows up. We assume that so fifteen plus eighteen years old so he's supposed to be what 33 aquaman's supposed to be 33 and orange supposed to be 30 so maybe to say that they are that old hmm, i don't know like can can patrick wilson be 30 yeah i think he could be 30 so i did look up their ages and um jason momoa is six years younger than patrick wilson patrick wilson born in 1973 yeah again that's that's fine it's immaterial. We're all again, yeah. the audience. I don't think most people think, wow, so, Patrick Wilson so much older than, than Jason Momoa in this movie. I, I mean, don't. maybe a lot of people don't, but for me, it sort of takes it out that this 45 year old is supposed to be playing someone that's younger than Jason Momoa. It's weird to me. But if you just suspend your disbelief and say, okay, well this is the actor and that's the character. What I'm saying is it's, he, he didn't need to be cast as that role. And I think he was cast because the director James Wan likes him. Yeah, and, and has used I them think, in other movies. And he also does a good job as at the performance. I think I think he does a serviceable job, but li- like I said, Pedro Pascal brings heart, brings character to this person. King Orm, like, what are his motivations? All that I can get from this guy is that he wants to be Ocean Master and he wants to rule everything. I, he wants to be Ocean Master, but also he, I mean, they spell it out when he has Aquaman chained in front of him. He says they polluted our oceans. They've uh, they've done things are children they I think, all these things i think he's saying that to be political i don't i don't get the feeling that he legitimately believes those things i think he's just 
sort of like been fed propaganda from his father that the humans are despicable. And he's using those as like tools to like sort of gin up his public to agree with him that, yeah, you're wrong. Like your humans are evil. Like he's scapegoating. He's pointing out the bad things with humans and only using those things to justify his means of why he needs to be ocean master. Why does he need the other kingdoms to fight back? Why, why can't he go up and try to make peace with the humans? No, he wants to be in control. So, I mean, one, I think a motivation of wanting to become ocean master, a, a wanting to become the most powerful. That's a basic motivation for many villains, but it's I think, boring, though. but I think it has a gen, I think, what he says, maybe that is political, but it's also 100% true. I mean, anybody anybody that watches this movie, watches a movie about Aquaman, and the guy says, the reason we want to attack the surface is because you're polluting the waters. Like, most people in the world, I mean, not in the world, maybe most people in the U.S., many people are aware that we are polluting the waters. That, like, their ocean acidification, that the, uh, uh, whatever, the uh, the coral reefs are being, like, destroyed, that the there are, you know, heaps and heaps of trash out there, that we, you know, had oil spills. Like, we know that that's a thing. And it is appealing to the fact, like, why wouldn't people be outraged? Like, why wouldn't Atlanteans say, yeah, what the hell's wrong with them up there? They're literally destroying our world down here. They, one of the arguments that's made by uh, the other king is, well, just let them destroy each other. And he says, no, because they're going to destroy us first, which, I mean, is fair. Like, if there were to be a, if there was to be a nuclear war overhead and it was to all that nuclear fall would rest in the waters and everything would basically just die. So their fates are all intertwined. Now, Orm's way of dealing with this, attack the surface land and make them bow to our will. We are of greater power. We can overpower the surface land because we have greater technology and there's more of us or whatever. But the premise or what they want to be is, no, let's live in union. Let's be together. Aquaman is the bridge between these two things because he is of both worlds and he can make us coexist. That, that's the better way to do things. Orm says, no dominate them so that we can prevent them from destroying us. What, what what I'm trying to say is I'm not I'm not saying that his arguments are incorrect. I'm saying that they are just rhetoric. I don't think it's really what his I think his motivation is power, not protecting his kingdom. Yeah, and, and that's, power, that's a fair motivation. But it's not interesting and that's all that I get out of him is that he wants to be powerful, he wants to be ocean master. Yeah, so that, he's so he's a relatively he's kind of like a, a basic villain in that way. I, I mean, and I think that's fine. Like, what's wrong with him being a basic villain? Because with superhero movies, and one of the big criticisms with the MCU in particular is that boring villains, like, if your villain is boring, then your hero needs to be way more interesting. And Aquaman, Aquaman's fine, but, like, again, if we think that, if we agree that Aquaman's good but maybe Wonder Woman's a little more interesting and we give that Wonder Woman's bad guys are more interesting Then what does Aquaman have? But her, I mean, Ares and Wonder this again, to, just to say Wonder Woman's uh, now 1984. I definitely agree. Pedro Pascal, better job. Wonder Woman's first one, her villain was terrible. Yeah, but we're not arguing that that movie had so many other things going for it that made it work. Exactly. It's, her last movie had good things going for it. Sure. This movie has thing again. What this movie kind of is, is a big action action spectacle. And of that, it still has a followable plot that is reasonable with maybe some forgettable ish characters, but, and a lot of lore tied up in it. That's necessary to what Aquaman is supposed to be. We need to learn about Aquaman and that journey. 
I, and I get that. But what I'm saying is, is that when, for me, characters really matter. And, and so, yeah. And this is sort of where I want to cap off the discussion of characters that Wonder Woman 84 has an engaging lead character with good chemistry with her romantic lead has two villains who are played by good actors doing a good job. Aquaman has good actors who are, who all feel like either like they're doing the best they can with what they were given or that in the case of Patrick Wilson, I just think he was miscast. I think you could have gotten someone else, but, and this is where I want to sort of shift into a quick little sidebar essentially on the directors i think that patrick wilson is in that movie because it's directed by james wan james wan for those you don't know is one of the most prolific horror directors of the new millennium arguably the best horror director like hands down he is responsible co-creator of the saw franchise he is co-creator of the conjuring franchise actually he's the creator of the conjuring franchise he's co-creator of the insidious franchise Conjuring and Insidious, we see where he got Patrick Wilson from. That's sort of where I think a lot of people know him from being in those two franchises. But so we know, I at least I know James Wan from these, some masterfully created movies. The Conjuring, in my opinion, is the best horror movie, at least for me, best horror movie ever. Insidious is up there for me. The Saw franchise, like that basically revolutionized what kind of horror movies were being made for years. So this dude is a significant guy and he comes and does Aquaman. And you know what? I think he does a great job with making that movie look beautiful. The action, I said, there's a lot of it, but it all looks good. It all looks great. Everything that's shot on surface is like immaculate kind of like it's just it's a very pretty movie it's fun to watch the trench scene well i'll remember that for years i've remembered that since aquaman it's one of the lasting impressions of that movie i think some of the underwater stuff gets a little iffy with the effects but overall i just think it's a very well directed movie but with james wan he he has so much expectations kind of put on him that I I think he gets a little lost in the characters. Whereas Patty Jenkins, um, uh, I don't know a lot of her. I looked up her director filmography, at, at least for film. It was the movie Monster, where Charlize Theron won an Oscar. And then it's Wonder Woman. And then it's Wonder Woman 1984. And so we we can see that her trajectory is a character driven movie that won a best actor, um, a best actress Oscar for its lead. And then she does wonder woman and wonder woman 84, where she's really good with characters. And for me, character is kind of all that matters or maybe not all that matters, but it can save a, it can save a bad movie. If you like the people on screen, at least for me. And, and she also sort of, went into the movie with a theme in mind, whereas Aquaman felt like, I don't feel like it really had a theme. I, and do you, do you, before we go into themes, do you have any thoughts about what I have to say about the directors? Cause I know you're maybe not as 
you don't really think about directors as much. I think I, I appreciate you offering that information because I think it is good and important and definitely gives a good perspective on, on, you know, how these movies were made. So, but I don't really know much about directors. So that, that that's pretty much as much as like, I like me, like, had I not told you who James Wand was, did, would you have known like me telling you that he is behind like saw insidious conjuring? Like, do, does that sort of change your perspective on like the movie you watched? Um, it, it really just makes me think, one, why did they have him direct that movie? <laughs> he well, but um, uh, he had also uh, previously directed uh, Furious Seven, so okay. he he wanted to branch out of horror. I think I think he wanted uh, okay. to diversify. Gotcha. Okay, and he so. will be directing the next Aquaman as well. Okay. I mean, uh, knowing that, I mean, uh, I think you made a point in the movie where you mentioned who the director was when the trench scene, and yes, that definitely has a, like I can see that a horror director element there because that is a very stark scene where you're definitely kind of feeling this uh, underwater trapped being surrounded i mean uh, this rush so i appreciate that scene but i mean otherwise it doesn't necessarily change how i view the movie i would say it just definitely i I think it's impressive that a guy i mean maybe that has a background in horror i think he still did a good job directing a huge superhero spectacle well yeah i mean see i think the superhero stuff a lot of that is like the studio steps in with like visual effects, but like the sort of day to day, like a lot of the, like the cinematography and stuff like the, that stuff. Um, uh, I mean, that's on the cinematographer, but the director has a role in it. And so like, like I said, Patty Jenkins did one feature film before wonder woman. And then she made wonder woman, the first one. Mm-hmm. So that's just something to be said. Like yeah. she'd worked in TV and stuff, but yeah. And like there have been all sorts of like the MCU is known for picking out like kind of no name directors and giving them Thor Ragnarok. And then uh, Mm -hmm. um, Taika Waititi is like, I wouldn't say he's a household name yet, but like I know who he is. And like, yeah, because of Thor Ragnarok. And I I think he's done some other good things as well. Yeah. But like Thor Ragnarok was like sort of like a breakthrough him playing Korg in the movie as well. Mm -hmm. And like now he's like an Oscar contending director with. Jojo Rabbit, which like maybe he would have made like would he have been given the opportunity to make that movie? But that that's getting off the side. So Patty Jenkins, I think um uh, I think her detail for characters and her sight for a theme, I felt like she I felt like this movie was hinging upon trying to get a theme across, and where it may not have successfully articulated the theme fully it does try to get a theme across i don't know if aquaman's trying to get a theme across so in wonder woman 84 the theme is clearly the truth truth is the most important thing you can't take shortcuts you can't cheat you can't lie and then there's there's a sort of side theme about like the capitalism of the 80s and like greed isn't always good greed isn't the answer to everything but that's sort of the general theme to it. With Aquaman, I don't get a theme. They do sort of try to touch on this mercy thing a little bit. Which that we see that as like Aquaman's character arc, but we see how also Orm basically is. If you look at Orm as a parallel, he's a he is the merciless one. He says, "No, we we're going to attack the surface dwellers and we're going to destroy them. We're going to literally go." I mean, he goes in to talk to the fisherman and says, "Bam! I'm stabbing you because you're weak." And, you know, there's no more like in the sea, there's no mercy. We're going to go beat these uh, this other kingdom down the brine. 
and force them to kneel to us. And, you know, when he says, I'll never, uh, the, the Brian King says, I'll never, uh, you know, swear allegiance to you. And he says, okay, well, you're, you're going to die. And so we can see in some ways he is, the, you know, the merciless parallel. And Aquaman also is merciless in the beginning, but we see him take a little bit of character arc and learn a bit a little bit. I mean, he when he has, maybe this is why, the, the fight with Black Manta, not only the first one shows him being merciless, and the second one uh, shows him realizing uh, because I didn't, I did that. I made an enemy and created more havoc in the world. Maybe that's not the right thing. We see at the end, he spares his brother, doesn't kill him. He's learned the mercy. It's, again, it's a light character arc, and there's yeah. a little bit of that in the movie. But but you're, I would say you're fair to say it's not a major theme. There isn't a major theme in the movie. Yeah, and that that and that's one of the things where it's like it's fine to have like a fun popcorn movie where you just like sort of shut your brain off and enjoy it. But like when a movie can at least attempt a theme, I think there's value in that. And like, like even you said that the, the theme gets a little muddled in 1984, but you're able to walk out of the movie knowing that truth is important. That's what the movie wants you to know that the truth is what matters. Truth is everything. And like little kids watching that movie, I think they'll walk out and be like, truth is important. Like, cause it, it sort of spells it out, but like it's, it's there, it's got a message. It's wants to do something positive. Even if it's not the most articulate at doing it, it's trying something. And again, I can appreciate that about 1984. And, but I think you're right And this really Aquaman's point is it's not trying to be a thematic movie. It's not trying to teach you anything. It is supposed to be in a, uh, a superhero introductory movie where it gives you all this information on Aquaman shows you how he becomes King of Atlantis, all these things. And really, it's just a spectacle. And it does what it's trying to do as a movie. If Wonder Woman is trying to achieve this theme and show that and still have all these things, that is great. And movies with themes are awesome. I love watching movies with themes. I love exploring that. But I think everybody, a lot of people also like big action movies that don't have themes. And Aquaman, in a sense, is that. And it is a spectacle. There's, like you mentioned before, Tons of great looking fight scenes, tons of great looking things to see really well shot stuff. Again, some of the wonky things with underwater, but I mean, you're trying to make a, a whole movie that's half underwater. And I think they do as well as they could possibly do, especially with, with hair, water, hair effects and things they're doing pretty good. I think in that aspect and I think it goes back to that's what that movie is, right? But plot is always important in every movie. How a plot develops and and how it feels and resolves and everything is important. And if plots don't make, quite make sense, then you lose people. You lose anybody. Now, I mean, if you go into Aquaman thinking, I want to see some theme and everything, well, you're just going to be disappointed. But if you just go watch it and take it for what it is, what you had mentioned was how you approached Wonder Woman uh, 1984. You're just going to take it for what it is. And it gets a little ridiculous. If you take Aquaman for what it is, it's... Learn about Aquaman. Maybe there's a lot of lore, but you definitely learn about him and watch his journey and this simple and followable plot towards him becoming and see this big spectacle and all these big things happening. Wonder Woman, the plot just gets entirely away from it at one point. I mean, we can follow it at first and then it just becomes so completely, so totally ridiculous. You can't even believe some of the things because of the wishing. I just think, I think one of the inherent failures here is the wishing just gets to be too much and it doesn't follow rules that help all of us to understand and keep being able to fall. It just becomes, oh, well, 
I'm going to go get on TV and just tell everybody to wish about things. And then Wonder Woman says like, everybody, you need to have the truth. Like they, they push this big truth thing, but like truth wasn't necessarily what made all the, I mean, again, the fact that the idea, the, the wishes are lies, the wishes That's are the lies. Yeah. And that, that ties together somewhat, but not entirely. It's not like all those people were, in fact, if anything, you'd say those people are for wishing for what they truly wanted. They truly wanted those things to happen and they had their, but those things were, but they were gained them in a non good way. And, through and a shortcut. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine. But again, that's the, the way that it all resolves itself, how he, she lassos him and it shows to everybody and they renounce his wish and he sees it now somehow, somehow he sees that's happening to his son, I guess, because she used her lasso of truth to show it to him. It's shown later earlier in the movie that the last, that she truth. can show you the truth, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I just think everything gets so but ridiculously like, convoluted with that plot by the end that every most people I've talked to all say they got lost. Like they all were like, I don't know. That all just got and and I, I feel like people agree with me that the plot gets too much there and the char the characters carry the movie. The theme is pretty good and, and still there. But the plot lost everybody. And and there's not enough entertainment going on throughout the movie where it, it stays being interesting. I think Aquaman, again, if you watch it for what it is, you stay entertained. You're like, look at all this crazy stuff. There's those parts where they're walking around doing this, but it goes, bam, let's get to some action. Let's get to important plot points being done. Like Aquaman goes here, learns about the thing he has to do. Boom. Then he's fighting his, uh, his brother. And even there's some stuff in between them. Then it's okay. We're going to go to where we need to, to, uh, you know, get the trident. We need to get the information on the trident. We're moving to either executing plot points or we're watching cool action scenes or cool scenes. And then there's a little bit of this, some of the other stuff in between as well. We, we get, but those don't last too long and it doesn't make the movie get boring. Wonder Woman has a bunch of moments where we're just like watching things happen. Or we're just like, okay, all right. You know, and you're almost getting bored and it's progressing the, the plot somewhat, but then also in some ways you're like, what is, what, what are we watching this for? I mean, again, like the things with Stephen, the Smithsonian, that's one thing. I, I just think there's a, there are parts of Wonder Woman where you don't feel very entertained. Uh, and I don't feel super engaged. Like I'm, I'm, I want to watch a movie. I want to be as engaged as I can be, but Wonder Woman kind of loses at some points. I know one of my friends kind of mentioned that he started falling asleep at certain points in Wonder Woman. And I'm like, there, you aren't falling asleep at any point in Aquaman. Uh, and by the end, it's, oh, we're wishing for all these things. I'm going over here. I'm going to have this guy wish and give me the, all the oil. And now this wall's being erected and I'm going to go this way. Now I need to go to the president and he needs to wish for this. And I need to wish for that. And, and all this stuff, it gets, just gets to be too much, too many things are going on. And as I tried to mention before, the whole point of the wishing, when it becomes everybody in the world can wish for these things. I can't believe that there weren't people wishing because, because we, we cannot assume that, uh, Max Lord needs to say, all right, your wish is granted every time because we see those. I mean, so Max Lord was like, yeah, wish granted to the guy that, you know, killed it. Like he, he's not like necessarily picking and choosing at this point. They're just wishing and getting their wish and something. And then he's choosing what thing he wants to take from each person. Yeah. So again, you're asking me to believe that one, the whole thing about projecting himself to the world. And that works now. I mean, I guess yeah. that's just how the wishing stone worked. He had to touch people before and had to hear them say it out loud, but, whatever yeah that just works we'll just take that i mean but you know yeah just but yeah that nobody in this world was wishing for greater things that were irretrievable that that couldn't be taken back that somebody didn't say they probably did like they did 
and then but it happened so quickly that they got undone or the things didn't have a chance to really articulate and come into be and then what i also ask is that this world event happens and you don't think that the world has irrevocably changed i mean again it's i know it's the dc universe but again this is 1985 and it's magic yeah it's mad but we know that that afterwards we know for a fact that those like the wishes go back but it doesn't make anybody forget what happened so russia and america fire missiles at each other that definitely happened like yeah. they're not just going to be like okay uh the missiles are gone now but uh we definitely just declared war on each other and that's i mean the the it is so big and huge and all the things that could be happening with these wishes whether they got returned back or not that's complete chaos you just you just broke tons of different infrastructures you just like shattered political relations like all, I mean, I can't see how everybody, how the end of the movie is it's Christmas. Like we just go six months later, it's Christmas. Everything's fine. I'm like, no, the world has changed from this. Like the, the end of Aquaman is he's let a Leviathan out of the ocean and called all of the oceans creatures to one space to get killed in a all out battle frenzy. And we're not supposed to think about the consequences of that. But in Wonder Woman, the dream, the magic, the literal magic dream stone is too much to uh, is too much to process. Uh, so in Aquaman, that's a more current timeline. So we could see in the next movies how that did affect how those actually did. And we do see that people said like they saw Atlantean warship uh, in the kind of after credits uh, thing. Yeah, it's mentioned that, oh, like we see pieces of, of metal and all these things like th So people noticed like the surface world noticed. And but they still don't believe Atlantis is a real thing, and so maybe there's a cover up by the government, and maybe we see in the next movie that there are developments. What happens in Wonder Woman is in 1985, and we know that the DC timeline 84. is uh, 1984, whatever, yeah, 1988. Um, but we know that the DC timeline has continued on. So are we to say that the DC timeline has that Wonder Woman thing happening in it, and that that Batman's best, uh, you know, again, maybe we're just, you know, they, they're not their continuity is not great, but in Batman v Superman, when he's doing research and finds out about Wonder Woman, he finds just that photo of her, not like anything about this wishing or any. I mean, she it, never, you or, never see her or that. It's not a major historical DC thing now that like at one point, a bunch of like missiles were being fly, like everybody basically declared war and all these things happened. I mean, I don't I don't know. It just makes us go. Everything's fine again, guys. Everything's Bruce, fine. Well, let's let's think Bruce Wayne was a kid at the time and probably it's something that happened. But like, again, like because it's magic, things get to be undone because it's magic. Like, I get that. It's not like it's kind of a weak excuse, but like the magic stone, like people renounce their wishes like they learned their lesson supposedly like i it, it's not the cleanest thing but like aquaman literally ends without even addressing like whether or not what what's happening between the earth and we have another movie to address that but like wonder woman ends the movie saying that it, it doesn't spell out how everything got cleaned up but like would it have been that interesting to you for it to like show how the magic like allowed people like like people being presented with the end of times, maybe just wanting to go back to business as usual. Like I, I think there's a parallel in the real world where people feel like things are worse than they've ever been before. And they just want things to go back to how it was. And especially in the 1980s when like people could like the, the news, the news stations could just be like, 
hey, that all happened, but we're we're resolving it. Like like people don't have the internet to like just be like, dude, that just happened. Like everything changed and it was the worst thing ever. Like like the media could sort of just like tell people like, hey, this is something that happened, but we're just gonna move on past it and put some magic into play and all that stuff. And I know maybe that's not the best excuse in the world, but to say that that makes the movie unforgivable like and that the logic of the dreamstone look the the dreamstone didn't have the best logic in the world before it became max lord but once it became max lord it was he decided what your consequence was like the, there are only there are three people that use the dreamstone as a stone diana who lost her powers as a result of getting back steve and i'll give you the steve taking over a person's body is problematic but she loses her powers. That's the main downside. Um, uh, Diana wants to be like, or Barbara wants to be like Diana, and she gains all of that, what's good about that, but loses her humanity and loses what makes her like a good person. Like it, it it's a clear give and take. And then Max Lord, he uses, the, he wishes to be the Dreamstone, but it takes away clearly his health at first, or maybe his son, but he keeps trying to get more wishes and each of those wishes he's trying to give himself back something so that like as things go on he keeps having to give up things like the thing things get worse like he keeps saying that you know if i just keep taking stuff from the wishes things will work out for me but he just he doesn't have the ability to keep everything in control because more and more and more is what he thought he needed, but it wasn't what he needed. Like it wasn't the solution. Like clearly what he thought was going to get him everything he wanted ended up with the world on the verge of nuclear chaos and his son in peril and alone without him. He lost his son. Like he was able to maintain his health and everything. He was able to do all the things, but like, through whatever means it was, he did lose his son. He lost, he wasn't with his son when his son was in danger, when the world was about to end. Those three people had clear consequences for their actions and everything, every wish that he made, he was the one that decided the consequence. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. And that all works back into points that you made that, Things like the theme work, but a lot of the actual things that go on still kind of just are, again, wishing, I think, gets complicated when you put it in any kind of movie. Yeah. If you don't make the wishes have rules that we can all follow and say, okay, this is how the wishes work and yada, yada. But it just kind of stops following rules. Things don't, don't, is it, uh, do the wishes manifest or they just occur or it depends on the wish. Like some of the, some of the wishes happen pretty quickly. Like the Steve thing took a little while. Yeah. And the, Oh, and then there's things about the movie that kind of don't make sense or aren't again, things that just kind of lose you. Like where I'm just not, that's so that thing right there. You mentioned the Steve thing, the, he inhabits somebody's yeah. body. So I guess like there's a weird thing that his soul can't come back into its own body. Even though we've seen tons of things get manifested, it can't make bodies, can't make a body, but we can bring back a soul. Just got to use another guy's body. So that's kind of a weird thing. I, I like to point out that there's other things that are even like one, some other things I don't like. I just want to go back and point out some things that also turn me off to the movie. One, some of the production, some of the how it was put together is you, you'd say some things are bad about Aquaman. Check Wonder Woman running. 
Well, at super speed down a road. Oh, yeah, that was awful. I, th- I think some Check of Wonder Woman flying. I think some of that is a result of post production being probably scaled down. Which that's not a best excuse, but like yeah, I, I so, th- it is. It is what it is. Yeah, I just want to say if if we're going to talk about Aquaman, which I think you know they did as well as they could for something that was difficult, they're just trying to get Wonder Woman running on a road and flying through the air, and that looked weak to me. Um, I think there's a lot of useless things in, in there as well. The, again, just to speak about par- parts that lost me, maybe not even as a uh, to say that don't go with the plot, the theme, the this and that. What's the what a woman could fly? I didn't even know that was a thing. Maybe I'm maybe I don't know enough about Wonder Woman lore. Maybe she can fly, but I never knew she was able to fly before. Yeah. Uh, she can create invisibility. Didn't know that was a thing. They're just yeah. making it up again. Maybe we just accept all that, yeah. whatever. But it definitely does break. Why doesn't she do either of those things in Batman versus Superman? So we're just breaking continuity, is what, I, which kind of is a little annoying. DC, are you are you making a cinematic universe, or is are this all supposed to make See, sense? See, I don't think they are anymore. And that's where that's where a lot of the universe stuff. Like, I'm stopping paying attention to that. Like how this affects like the Batman movies later on, because mm-hmm. it's like, look, this could be a separate universe. You know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. And if it is, yeah. then that then that's cool. I mean, honestly, that's cool with me. It if hasn't it, hasn't said that though. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as far as I know, they're still trying to make a shared universe and make all these things work together. So that seems silly to me. The whole thing with the armor, don't even understand what the point of it was supposed to be in the movie, other than to make an action figure, other than to say, here's, let's sell a toy. That's because well, even in the it, fight, it wasn't useful. So but. no, I, rewatching it, she came in and it helped her deflect like the turrets coming at her and it like cheetah literally like wore down that armor like fighting at it so like it did protect her and then I she kept like she tired out cheetah in the fight but like was she tired i don't know that she was tired like she was like hacking at it so she had to exert some effort yeah of course but i don't i don't know that it necessarily there, there's no indication that cheetah was tired so, I mean, I, I don't know that that's valid. I just think I, I think the armor was useless. It was kind of just a thing that was added in for the toy. I, um, I do want to address one thing, and I had the same thought. I want to make it clear, and the movie does make it clear, actually, that Cheetah, Barbara, does not make a second wish to become the Cheetah. Yeah. Max Lord does that to her because Max Lord, Max Lord takes other people's wishes and uses that to give cheetah she yeah she does say she'd want to be an apex predator i guess yeah. but that's kind of an interpretation yeah he says that she says that to him and then he uses like uses the powers of the wishes to give her those cheetah things to do what he thinks that she wants yeah and furthering the lack of humanity so yeah i wanted to make that clear on rewatch i because i had thought she had made a second wish also but that's not what happened yeah no so i mean again so there's there's some other points that I wanted to mention that kind of just left me a little bit like what with the movie. Let's take this as final thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say that these, everything I've said here kind of are my final thoughts. I would say actually through this conversation, you helped me to understand how to appreciate Wonder Woman a little better, but I don't think I, again, second watch trying to not just being absorbed in the, the first watch of the movie would probably be my most genuine and when I'm maybe going to enjoy it most. And I still kind of came away being confused. As a person that likes movies and watches them and wants to be engaged with them, I still was like, this just doesn't seem to work. So so there's something in there that's failing to me. And even if you, I mean, again, the characters are great. Everything that you said is valid. And, and in some ways, this conversation has maybe made me appreciate it more. But there's still some that failed. And on the second watch, I just saw more things that maybe I can't quite remember all of right now that just became more apparent that I yeah. didn't appreciate. 
Second watching Aquaman, still liked it. Still actually, you know, again, saw a lot more poor things and dumb things, but I I still enjoyed it. I was entertained. All right. And then my my final thoughts, I think, is that upon both watches of Aquaman, it's kind of a hollow spectacle is how I'd have to describe it. And then watching Wonder Woman, it's like messy fun. That's how I would describe those two movies in two words. Like I got fun out of Wonder Woman. I enjoyed what I watched, like the touching stuff between um, uh, Max Lord and his kid. Nice. Um, uh, but yeah, it, I get it's not it's not perfect. And neither is Aquaman. But I just thought that Wonder Woman 84 was trying to be something and didn't quite hit it. I thought that Aquaman was just wanted to be a spectacle and it did that, but that's maybe it could have been more. They didn't try for more with Aquaman. Yeah. And I'm, but I think that that was legitimate and I'm okay with that. So, but I think that's really enough for now. Yeah. We went really long on this one thinking this is going to be a two parter. Um, uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, until next time, this has uh, been Robert. Uh, this is Ryan. And uh, we'll catch you later. All right.